Hi, my name is Christine. And I'm Josephine. And, and we're, we're your hosts for the Bitesonal Podcast. Ding! Hi, Josephine. Hello. How are you today? I am good. I'm feeling well. Awesome. So um, this episode, we had a very special guest. Yes, we um, did. I met her in my undergrad when I was part of the McMaster Vietnamese Students Association. Mm-hmm. Her name is Ashley Nan. Woo! Woo, Ashley! Yeah, she's a busy lady, so mm-hmm. I really appreciate her coming in. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, how'd you, how'd you think the interview went? I think it went really well. I really appreciated everything Ashley said. Mm-hmm. And she is so well-spoken, so eloquent. I just was mesmerized by everything she said. Yeah. I personally found her and her story really inspiring. Yeah. And yeah, I really liked her. Yeah. And uh, I think she kind of sees herself. I think she said it too. She Mm -hmm. refers to herself or her friend Stephanie Lee called her uh, or calls her a Yukon gold potato. A potato. How personable. Yeah. Very. She's very potato like according to her verbatim. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But she's a very well-spoken, like you said, very well-spoken potato. Yes. uh, Got a good heart and just overall very headstrong. Mm -hmm. So um, for the the, the, the themes we talked about. So we talked about burnout culture. Yep. We talked about her journey to optometry and we talked about like indirectly we kind of touched upon like birth order. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. how that kind of like popped up in there. Um, I think I kind of forced that. Yeah. And it, you guys were kind of relating to each other because yes. you're both like middle slash youngest children. Or yes. Like yes. Family dynamics. Yeah. So I don't know. It ended up being kind of a jumble of words mm-hmm. that overall arching theme it was there so um yeah we appreciate ashley coming in definitely and she's heading to boston very soon to go to optometry school Mm -hmm. so we'll miss her deeply Mm -hmm. and uh as always we just wish her the best and uh, keep working hard and doing great things ashley okay so here's the interview guys welcome to the studio Ashley, thank you for coming and making your way here. We know you're an extremely busy lady, aren't you? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's really nice. I mean, I love this place. I've been here quite a few times. Yeah. I love Christine's basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, not at the studio. She's yeah. recording something fun. Yeah, so, yeah, the conversation today is just going to be, again, the, the, the goal is to have fun with this conversation. Mm-hmm. No pressure at all. We're going to dig around and go from there, okay? Aight. Yeah, so how, let's just begin. How yeah. are you, Josephine? I am good. I am well. Thank you. A bit tired, but okay. that's to be For those who can't expected. see right now, um, Ashley's wrapped up in my childhood <laughs> blanket. Um, Josephine is wrapped up in my blanket scarf, and I'm just naked. So um, I don't know why you guys are just so cold-blooded <laughs> around here. It's freezing in your basement. Um, I'm wearing shorts, okay? True. Maybe that's why. That's why that's why my legs need to be covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a little she chilly in the basement. Chilly legs, y'all. Y'all women in your short shorts. Um, I, I have Cairo after. They're oh, going true. to cut my legs. Oh, yes. <laughs> true. So Ashley has a chiropractic exposed. appointment at my workplace later, so yeah. that's the... That's Shout out to Collaborative Healthcare, healthcare Network at Dr. Vo. Yes, Dr. Vo. Dr. Vo, if you're listening, he, he does listen to these things from time to time. So I'm sure he'll appreciate the shout out. Dr. Vo is the best chiropractor I've ever had. He's also the only chiropractor I've ever had. <laughs> but you know, like he's great. Mad respect, Dr. Vo. Mm-hmm. We love you. Um, 
And uh, Ashley, how are you today? How How's your morning? I'm okay. I woke up a lot earlier than yeah. I normally do. Uh, this what? week I've been on vacation, so normally I wake up at around 2 p.m. But uh, this morning I woke up at 10 a.m. just for you guys. That's early. That's four so hours far. your usual. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I normally work full time, so, <laughs> so I normally work up, wake up at like 7, 7.30. And later in the episode, you'll know why this is something Ashley deserves. You, mm-hmm. you need, Yeah, you just deserve to hibernate for the rest of your life. Yo, yeah. Given the summer you've been through so far. Just a year, actually. But Yeah, I don't got no summer girl. That's what yeah. happens when you work full time. I know. Yes. And then you go away for school. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yes. But uh, I guess the general theme for today's episode given Ashley's just qualifications and just life experience, will be a little bit about just how you got to where you are. Um, For those of you who don't know Ashley, she's a future optometry student. Congrats! Clap, 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 clap. Very proud of you, kid. You're doing really well. And uh, optometry, pretty much, that's something you want to do from the beginning, right? Yeah, I've... I kind of set myself on optometry. Like, you know, in grade 9, here in Ontario, we have... uh, career like civics and careers as a class or in grade 10 I guess but I took it during summer school and during that careers class I don't know why I took it so seriously but I was like I need to determine my future right now and so I was like doing mad research when everyone else was just kind of chilling and I came across optometry because I really I wanted to I kind of wanted to be a doctor because I really liked science and I wanted to help people um, and I just really cared about people and I found that I'm really empathetic. Um, yeah. But I didn't think I was cut out to be like a doctor, like a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, optometry is great. It's so much more flexible than being a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. And like, I'd still get paid good money yeah. and mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't be as stressed. And it was just rated one of the highest ranking jobs because of less stress and yeah. higher pay and just good yeah. overall quality of life. Yeah. So, so sa- I, job satisfaction is very high, you mean? Yeah. yeah. And so I just kind of had it as my plan A. Mm-hmm. And then essentially as I got older, it just kept on being my goal because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so it kind of built itself and I learned to love it. Like I was already interested and I found out as I was going along all the things that make me love optometry and make me really motivated to get through optometry school. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's really why I like started in going into optometry and why I'm going to be an optometrist. Yeah, I mean, see, I, I always ask people's kind of origin stories because you can kind of tell if people kind of entered the profession like organically like the way you did like you kind of just like had an interest and you just pursued it throughout some people they might pursue their profession as like a second like a second plan you know what I mean yeah like a backup plan with optometry I find that a lot of people are like that a lot of people Mm -hmm. had medical school as their plan a but they didn't make it yeah and then so optometry was their fallback yeah which there's nothing wrong with no I just I had a really big burning passion for optometry yeah. for no particular reason. And because I, I have a personal story of one of my friend's sisters. So she, I think she was a med school prospect. But after like three times or two times of trying to get in, she couldn't. And I think she ended up doing either uh, dentistry or like farm, something like that. Like she branched off to another professional school. Yeah. And she was completely miserable. Oh, right. Because no. like... Uh, 
I don't know, she kind of said it like, yeah, it's kind of a reminder every day that I didn't get into med school. Though I'm like, then why you, why did you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. you should have waited or done some more career Like if searching. you were really passionate about yeah. medical school, then you really would have put your all like into yeah. medical school. Yeah, or just reevaluate it, right? Yeah. So I think she ended up like graduating from like another professional school and she's miserable. Mm. So I'm like, yikes. And then mm. again, as my opinion uh, i don't know it might be a little bit of an overstatement obviously but like with healthcare you need to uh, actually like your job cuz you deal with patients all day and yeah. ignore, like, like human breathing human beings you can't be half-assing what you're doing if that makes sense you really got to fake it till you make it or if you're having a bad day just fake it till you make it yeah i had a really big discussion with somebody about this yesterday actually yeah. about how like I don't know if you guys have ever come across this, but like, uh, like my old GP, um, like when I would go, they were just like older and kind of lazy. Like they've just been be a doctor for so long, like a family doc. And so like, it would take me like four or five times going and pushing for something that I thought I was like, something was wrong with me. So like, can I go get this checked out? Yeah. yeah. And then, um, like I switched doctors, like when I was going to McMaster, uh, to one of the doctors at school. And then I asked them about this problem and they immediately sent me to go get like scans and checks and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, so I was like having this very deep discussion with somebody yesterday, uh, how doctors, like their whole job is to care for their patient yeah. and not for the patient to push for the doctor to care. Yeah. Um, and so like, that was a, big topic that I had yesterday and I feel like it really applies to all doctors not just uh, like no not GPs. just medical doctors no. you know, like whether even as a nurse like you don't have to be a doctor you know what I mean as a nurse as a as know. a healthcare practitioner you exactly. should care about your patient yeah. and you should be advocating for your patient and working in their best interest yeah. yes. for their health like I get again it's kind of a form of burnout as well because I assume, I, I would imagine if you're like a heart surgeon or something like that, and you're working every day, long hours, you're not, you might be getting underpaid, I don't know, overworked but underpaid, you have something to complain about. Um, but, and I don't know, it depends on the nature of it, but sometimes I think you need, people need to kind of um, put up that barrier mm -hmm. between like being too empathetic and over caring in order to protect themselves, to feel like you're not overworking yourself, if that makes sense. Because if you put your 110% into one patient, you're likely going to have less resources for the rest of the patients, if that makes sense. Or you're yeah. going to burn out sooner. Um, but that doesn't mean you get you should get to the point where you're desensitized to like everything and yeah. be um, just indifferent about everyone. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a balance. Like, it's I'm not balance. a medical doctor, so yeah. I wouldn't know. But yeah. like, just from my experience, I feel like you should be putting an equal amount of care and effort into every single patient, right? Mm -hmm. And you should be listening to what your patient is saying. Well, sure. Yeah. Because it's their body. Like, you don't know what they're feeling. Yeah. So. That was a, that was a rabbit hole and a tangent. <laughs> Sorry, but, yeah. No, but then I, I'm very, I'm very happy that that's something you're passionate about because that's important. That's mm -hmm. like half your job, being a good communicator and educator. Yeah. And an advocate. So, proud of you, kid. Thanks. Um, so, Josephine, do you want to ask the next question there? Sure. So, how were you able to focus into your current career choices? Um, so, maybe maybe start off with, like, um, in university. I feel like that would be a great way to start because I think we all went to Mac. 
So how did that kind of play a role into you now going into optometry school? Yeah, um, well, like I said earlier, uh, with optometry, I garnered this interest in like grade 10 uh, in careers class. And so like throughout the latter half of my high school career, I was kind of just looking for opportunities. And so um, I had uh, upper year friends um, who kind of acted like mentors um, yeah. in guiding me in what they thought I should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I heard about the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, um, and I heard about volunteering opportunities with them. Um, but I wasn't old enough to volunteer yet, or I didn't have, like, uh, like I needed a background check that mm-hmm. I didn't really yeah. know how to go about mm-hmm. getting those. Yeah. Um, but then I was also pushed to going... Uh, pushed into going to McMaster um, mm-hmm. because one of my upper-year friends said their McMaster science program is, like, real good and it's probably better than Waterloo's which is why I ended up going to Mac I don't know if that's true at all was Waterloo your second choice um Waterloo was originally my first choice because the school of optometry is there and so I figured that if I was doing the undergrad program it might be more likely for me to get into the uh, school of optometry which is not true by the way for anybody listening Mm -hmm. who wants to go into optometry that's absolutely not true (laughs) um But yeah, and so I thought that there might be more resources at Waterloo targeted towards the optometry program, which their fair as well might be, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I ended up choosing MAC, even though I heard that the program was harder and my marks might not be as good. I felt like I might be able to learn more from the academic, uh, the quality of the academic uh, studies at MAC. So I ended up going there. And then I don't regret that decision at all because... McMaster's community really fostered, like, personal growth. 100%, I agree. Yeah, I I assume you guys also felt this while you were there. It's just a very close-knit community, and I sound super biased towards Mac, but I I actually loved it there, Mm -hmm. and, like, university was great. Undergrad was great. Um, And so in Mac, I joined a lot of clubs because that's what Mac, like, um, that's what it advertises yeah. to first year. Like there's clubs fast right off the bat and there's like 300 or something clubs. Yeah. And that plus. Yeah. So Ashley, you don't know this, but she's clubs queen. She was clubs admin last year. I really? Was, yeah. 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 She was working for MSU. So I and, uh, planned all of that clubs fest last yeah, year. She's the clubs queen right here. Training. <laughs> so. Oh, the, the year that just passed? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, because I was like, oh, yeah. so I didn't come and bother you then. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, Ashley's like, who did I bother? <laughs> Probably Jenna. Maybe I think Jenna. so. Or Jonathan. Yes, definitely. Jonathan, Jonathan Jenna, Jenna Josephine. And then the year before <laughs> with somebody else. Yeah. But yeah, essentially, I was just part of a lot of clubs, yeah. and mm-hmm. I felt like that really unlocked the opportunity to network. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So McMaster has a pre-optometry club, yes. um, which I joined in first year, and it it was really helpful because there was a lot of information and I found that as a first year student, not a lot of people, not a lot of other first year students were interested in optometry so early. They didn't yeah. realize it was kind of an option for them yeah. um, to pick at. Um, and so I was like the only first year at all of the events. Um, and then uh, going into second and third year, mm-hmm. like I was also part of the McMaster Vietnamese Student Association. And so. VSA, rep, rep, rep. Woo! But um, so that was a big part of my life. <laughs> so that was a big part of my life. Yeah. But after I kind of shied away from MBSA because even though it taught me a lot of good leadership qualities and like 
characteristics I would need to build my career. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it didn't necessarily allow me for allow uh, give me the network that I wanted in regards to my optometry career yeah. specifically. Mm -hmm. So I started um, focusing more on the pre-optometry club, mm -hmm. uh, which I was all, I ended up being president of during my fourth year. Right. Um, but essentially during pre-optometry club, during my four years as a part of it, I learned a lot in regards to the way various optometry schools work and like the whole mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. and I kind of wanted to teach that to other students because yeah. a lot of mm -hmm. my fourth year friends were really lost in what they were doing like exactly. I was one of the lucky ones who kind of had a set path set career set goals yeah. um, but a lot of fourth years are lost especially in yeah. when you're doing your bachelor's of science yeah. Yeah. like life sci is such a yeah. question mark of a program That's if you true. don't want to go into research yeah. or if you don't want to go into med school like yeah. what what are what is there? the other options? And um, I was talking, because I'm part of, like, the Interprofessional Healthcare Students Association, whatever nonsense, called IPSA at University of Toronto. And that's, like, where, like, you know, all the med, it was, it was a chiropractic, the naturopathic school, the med school kids, dental school kids, and, like, there's a bunch of, like, physio and, like, OT and everything was there. And, like, the comment when we were talking about just general like, how did you guys get to where you are kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Everyone said fourth year was a disaster. Everybody had an identity crisis in fourth year. You're at that point where you're stressed about marks, you're stressed about applications, you're stressed about, like, basically, it's a, you feel like it's a turning point in your life. And I, I definitely felt it initially in fourth year. And, I, and a lot of people suggested, like, yeah, if you don't really know what you want to do, it's just so simple. Just stay back a year and figure it out. But then, like... Um, the I had this like weird stigma that I couldn't do that because a lot of my older cousins and stuff they just like had a point and they got to the point like I didn't want to dick around for x amount of time but that, that was just like literally just me I think that was some really flawed thinking but either way I think I picked the, the right career yeah you push <laughs> yeah. yourself and then you yeah. push yourself into yeah. a direction that yeah. I don't think I think a lot that. for me it was, it was a lot of like just second guessing I was second mm -hmm. guessing yeah. myself like yeah. I knew I wanted to do chiropractic like literally early on like like you I, I kind of mm -hmm. seek the opportunities early on to work to like work in clinics and stuff and I'm like this is what I want to do mm -hmm. but then in fourth year I'm like is this really what I want to <laughs> do for the rest of my fucking life yeah. Yeah. um do I want to you know jump on people I love jumping people in a non- Yes, violent way, way. <laughs> sure. but you know, one of those things. Um, but fourth year, yeah. So fourth, fourth year. Do Do you recall your fourth year? Um, honestly, all of undergrad is such a blur. Yes. <laughs> yeah, now that you're graduated, fair. right? Yeah, yeah. I, like I graduated last year, like a year over a year ago. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's July. Yeah. Um, but I do remember very specific points in my undergrad career where I was freaking out on whether optometry should even be like the goal. Like, how yeah. am I even going to get there? Is that something feasible for me to reach? Right. Which it obviously is because a lot of people. Do. It's not like it's not rocket science. Like it's all good. Like mm -hmm. I was like I can make it. Like I've reached the point. Like I've gotten into school where I'm pretty calm yeah. and like mm -hmm. I know I'm mm -hmm. going to be an optometrist and it's all going to be good. But back in undergrad, like, I really wasn't sure if I could pull the marks, if I could, like, if I could do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that had a lot to do with burnout culture because I was just putting my 110% into everything, mm -hmm. starting even in first year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in my studies, in my extracurriculars, in my relationships, like, I was just trying to do the most mm -hmm. and trying to do everything By at yourself. once. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, towards the end of third year, I kind of realized that because, like, during first, second, and third year, I was just putting my all into everything. And especially in third year, I put, like, everything into MVSA. 
Mm-hmm. Um, remember that. I do yes. remember that. And you can attest to that, Christine. And then I know my co-president, Jennifer. Oh, it sounds Shout weird out saying Jay Fresh. Her. Yeah, it sounds weird saying her full name. Jennifer Tran. Jennifer Tran. Um, <sighs> what a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we definitely put way too much effort into MBSA mm-hmm. in hindsight mm-hmm. um, because it was not that important. But it's because, no, and again, cause I, I would have graduated that year. You guys were... I think so, yeah. Yeah, I graduated. Like, you you two were the perfect storm. You're both perfectionists. You're overachievers. So naturally, you guys feeded off each other and became two perfectionists and two um, overachievers. I yes. also wouldn't say it wasn't important. I, I don't want to, like, being club's administrator, of course, I got to see, like, all the clubs do awesome things. But I also see how much it impacted students. Like, I had students coming up to my office and be like, hey, can you thank this club for me for hosting this event? Like, things like that. And I'm like, wow. like that's not me. That's the club, right? So it's personally, um, I know the MBSA does a lot of events in club space, so I always see it. And I always see, like, how many people come to those. And I'm like, you have brought out, like, 100 people. You've made 100 people stay in one event Yeah, kind of thing. And I know that was set by previous execs and it's a well-oiled machine an event that you kind of do every i think like every month right the bonnie sales oh yeah we do that once a once a term something like that it's crazy i'm all i'm in my office and i can't even get one (laughs) it's always sold out and i'm like hello i'm right here because i I can end your club (laughs) yeah literally i'm like most clubs give me freebies but i'm like no Josephine, don't be that kind of person. Don't be a dictator. <laughs> and then, but I'm like always so proud because there's like a hundred people. I get annoyed because they're all blocking my office. But I'm like, no, y'all. Club space, we, club space is a little nook. It's, it's not that big. It's, it's really small. It's yeah. really small, but like. Like, I'm really proud of the accomplishments mm-hmm. that we achieved, uh, like Jen and I. But like looking in hindsight, we dedicated yeah. so much of our time to mm-hmm. MVSA, my, my academic life suffered Mm. and then I remember regretting that like towards exam season and being like why did I put so much effort into Mm -hmm. MBSA Mm -hmm. like I should have been studying and if my mom ever listens to this she's gonna be like yeah like I told you so because moms moms know that yeah she she thought extracurriculars were a waste of time and I was like but like it's my passion yeah and that's a really good segue into the next question because my parents kind of say the same thing they're like who needs friends who needs a social life you yeah. need extracurriculars you know maybe not you <laughs> but i do yeah. yeah i'm like dad it's not our fault we have you have no friends mm-hmm. and you don't have the benefits of so social no it's just like it's it's an it's an immigrant thing it's yeah. a cultural thing our parents grew up in a different universe essentially basically and we for, we're fortunate enough where we don't have to work 24 7 in order to maintain a family and a mortgage so uh mad respect to them for sacrificing their social life for us mm-hmm. yes 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 yeah. But Joe, I think most of her parents are, are your, your, and trust me, I know your parents are pretty like, you know, laid back a little bit now because your sisters are all grown up and you're all grown up, right? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, especially since I'm the youngest, they let me do more, whatever, whatever I you want. want. Yeah. Come over to Christine's house for five hours. Exactly. No Whereas like yeah. my older sisters always give me that crap. Like, why do they never ask you where you're going? Like every time I go out, they have to ask me where I'm going. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I just... It just happens that way, I guess. I just live my life. Yeah. So. No, I'm definitely in the same boat as your older sisters. My mom is like, where are you? It's 1030 at night. Like, you should be home. You should be in bed. Yeah. Doing math. But my, I have two younger brothers, and then she doesn't really care where they are. Yeah. (laughs) 
She's like, oh, they're probably playing basketball. See, and I'm like, I, it's twelve thirty in the morning. On the ultra, whoa, alternative side, I guess. Um, I am an only child. I never. I've just only ever been like. You get one hundred percent of the love, man. I know, but at the same time, I get one hundred percent of the attention. Yeah. And just the, I guess the. Um, the focus. The focus the and just overall the restriction. Yeah. <laughs> they can't like go to another child and be like, okay. Yeah, like if. Uh, it's like I'll bully you now. Yeah. I'll yeah. Bu- yeah. It was like, <laughs> who else do you bully? Or, who, or if you have a bad mm-hmm. day at work, who else do you take it out on? It's mm-hmm. just usually That's me. Fair. And not to hate on my parents, but that happened a lot of times. Like when they're stressed out, they're just like. even in retrospect I'm like that was a little bit unreasonable that you said that or like you did that or you didn't let me go with my friends that day because you were having a bad day or you found you just wanted an excuse to keep me inside the house or something like that yeah yeah so yeah but then not to get into childhood stories but I'm sure like all of our parents left deep wounds within our oh yeah yeah. deep Mm -hmm. wounds within our yeah I'm definitely not showing this to my mom (laughs) (laughs) your mom will slice us in half yes Honestly. Sorry, Mrs. Nan. Um, hope your neck's better. Um, sorry. She's not listening. The <laughs> tangent. The tangent that... Bef- the tangenting back. So, uh, like you said, MVSA mm-hmm. and, like, uh, all the clubs. Let's say you're part of rowing club. A lot of it's not directly related to your future. Unlike a pre-optometry club, yeah. pre-dental club, whatever club. Um, but I, I'm a so firm believer that a lot of the soft skills yes. still translate over. 100%. Like, compare yep. yourself, both of you, compare yourself when you were in fourth year to when you're in first year. Like, what was your communication skill like? What was your social skills like? And overall, just like your general social anxiety, what was that like? Much different. I feel like, especially Ashley, because I, I saw you when you are in first year going in, like you kind of like grew into your own self. Yeah. Your own skin. I definitely sense. had huge insecurities as a first year student, yeah. and I overcompensated with that um, by being super loud, super commanding. <gasps> like, because I'm a little person. Well, I'm taller than both of you, but like, okay. I'm a little person, and I like people always make fun of me because I'm small. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think my personality like just grew to be larger than life, especially in high school, mm-hmm. to compensate for that. And to I love that as word. like an intimidation relate. factor. I love yeah. that word overcompensation. Mm-hmm. You can break down every human being. Yeah. By the way, they overcompensate. Yeah. Do you see how much I, o- I overcompensate? Mm-hmm. Insane. And I can't even speak English. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> what? I, what? I can't even. I am. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> what? Where is that? <laughs> Hello? Are you going to answer? I don't know what you I said. Just I'm just saying <laughs> that I'm an overcompensate. Christine can't breathe. Oh my goodness, she's not okay. She's turning red. No, my pits are sweating. It's <laughs> fucking awful. Take five, take five. Take five, take, take five. five, five. five. Josephine, take over. You're the guest, you're the other host. Yeah, overcompensating is definitely something we all could work on, i.e. that's what I talked about in therapy yesterday. Oh. Yeah, so I go I see a therapist in Hamilton, which is very convenient for me, but... Um, it's, it's funny that you, you guys brought up overcompensation today because that's literally what I talked about with her yesterday. Full circle here. Yeah, full circle and how exactly like you said, you can definitely see people's insecurities in the way they overcompensate. So I always associated my self-worth in my empathy and my kindness, which is why I'm going into like um, the master's I'm doing is spiritual care and psychotherapy. So that's kind of my version of 
overcompensating, but that at least I get paid, right? So we, t- <laughs> we talked about more about my personal life, mm-hmm. like where I overcompensate there. So I associate my self-worth with helping people. And that translates to my family, and I always burn myself out because I have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Because I'm always giving 110% into them. Mm-hmm. So, Mine was the opposite. Maybe it's just because I'm like, I don't know, I'm the second child, like I'm an mm-hmm. older sister. But like when I was overcompensating in first year with having a big ego, yeah. like over my four years, I realized what was going on. And so <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to be nicer as a person and stop yeah. being like, you're mm-hmm. wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I'm right. Like, oh, can't you whoa, see? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, like, why can't you see? Like, what Why is can't right? you see what I see? <laughs> and so like I started having a more of an open perspective. Uh-huh. But then I think my insecurities led me to overcompensate by being like overly empathetic. Mm-hmm. And so I started giving a lot uh. in not only what I was passionate in, but also in my relationships, mm-hmm. like with other people and just being like helpful to everybody to feel my self-worth. Like yeah. that's totally a thing. I think that affects a lot of people in our generation. Yeah. Yes. And so like, again, like, and that's why like people would say like, Christine, why are you psychoanalyzing yourself? And this is why you need to psychoanalyze yourself. Well, not to be self-aware. Just to yeah. be self-aware. Like you need to break down why you're doing certain things. Even to you, it seems like the most natural thing. It's like, I need to help that grandma across, across the, the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a given. But, like, do you have to help her every day? It's my back Is it? You should. Is it, <laughs> I it's, mean, it's not your job to help her. It's not your job to help her. It's not right. your sole responsibility. Yes. Yeah. Why can't the bitch beside you yeah. fucking help no, the like, grandma? Okay, I think <laughs> a better example is, like, let's say you're bleeding out. Would you still feel obligated to help that grandma? Most of the time you'll say yeah. yes, right? Because you're putting their needs above yours, but you're literally bleeding out. So no, you should ask someone else to help her and go drive yourself to the hospital. Yes. Okay. This is where, this is why you're the best co-host because you just <laughs> fix my analogies. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, uh, it's <laughs> actually, going, Christine? yeah, Josephine, yeah, Josephine, great my point. Yeah. So you can't really help others until you help yourself. Yeah. You can't you can't give until you make sure you got all your resources and checked for yourself. It's like mm-hmm. that whole, oh I snapped. It's like that whole um like the mask thing the on the mask. airplane where they're like, Oh, oh you yeah. gotta put your own mask before yeah. you put on the child's yes. mask beside you. Because, oh like if you did, then the child is gonna be dead. Like what's the point? And then y'all be both be deads. Yeah. yeah she just said that. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm just saying a different accent. Uh, I'm sweating. Oh um oh but yes, like it's such a simple analogy, but it totally makes sense. And it's so applicable to everything in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's something yeah. you can probably, like, that's one one of the things I regret as well in university because, you know, I burned myself out trying to help other people, putting myself into, like, like I, too, was helping running a club, and I did, like, three exact members' work. And I'm like, I really don't be needing to <gasps> yes. do this. But hindsight is twenty twenty. But you can use it to apply to, like, your future. And that's why in fourth Mm -hmm. year, I tried to cut back. Mm -hmm. And then after I graduated, I tried to cut back. (laughs) I don't know. It's like habit in personality. I really didn't. Yeah. I think with you, like, I kind of saw you go head first. And then, be, oh, shit. And then you backed up. Yes. And you went head first again after you graduated <gasps> into, what, three jobs. And then you're like, oh, shit, maybe I should cut back. And then you cut back. No, yeah, I came back from my grad trip. Like, I went to Hong Kong yeah. and Japan with my boyfriend. And then I came back. And then 
uh, I was just working a part-time job at that point. Yeah. And I was um, studying for my OAT, which is the right. optometrist admissions test. Mm. Um, and then I got this opportunity to work at the Canadian National Institute for yeah. the Blind. Um, it was for a year-long contract, mm-hmm. which is ending soon. Yeah. Um, but I got that opportunity to start at the beginning of August when my test was like three weeks into August. Yeah. And so I was like, oh no, these this last three weeks are the most crucial study points. Yeah. Um, but like, am I going to let an opportunity like this pass me by mm-hmm, to yeah. like have a full-time stable job in yeah. a place where I'm comfortable yeah. and that I know will treat me well and has good benefits because yeah. I worked there for two summers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I took the job yeah. <laughs> and... Um, full well knowing that uh, my sister's wedding is coming mm-hmm. um, so uh, I'm her maid of honor and like helping her with a lot of stuff because she doesn't live uh, in town she doesn't live in like in the Toronto area she's mm-hmm. where's she again San Fran San Fran, San Fran yeah. and so her wedding is happening here in Toronto but mm-hmm. she, her body is not here most of the time so mm-hmm. uh, I knew that I would help have to help her with that and then I also joined UVSA Ontario which is the United Vietnamese Student Association of Ontario. Yeah. So the big, as one of the, the big, events officers. Yeah, so wow. you have just big commitments here is yeah. what we're realizing. But then I also decided to start working two other part-time jobs yeah. starting oh. September. And yeah. I was just like, what am I doing? What do you do? <laughs> like, How'd you get there? I don't know. Like, I just thought I could do Who it. Who did not stop you, Desmond Chan? I don't know. Desmond... Desmond said that your I, boyfriend, by the way. Yeah, yes. Desmond's my boyfriend. Shout out to Des. Des. Um, he, like, he told me to really, like, he supports me no matter what I do, which is great. Um, and he wasn't going to tell me not to do something mm-hmm. because, like, he knows I'm going to do it anyways. So what's the point? <laughs> um, but, like, he definitely made me think really hard on whether, like, joining UVSA was worth it because it's a volunteer position. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, like, how much of your time are you going to be um, volunteering to them per week and like will you spread yourself out too thin and uh like when I was going over it with him like I didn't think I'd be putting that much effort into UVSA and I'm like I can control myself I can limit myself I'm sorry like, but did you see how MVSA turned out <laughs> yeah did you expect UVSA to turn out any better well I wasn't president I was just an events officer I was, I was just an events I was reporting like role. I was supposed to be uh supporting the vice president of events who was okay. like heading everything mm-hmm. but like as it turned out, like, surprise, surprise, <laughs> knowing surprise. Ashley, Nan, like, I just, like, took over, like, everything, probably. all the events, yeah. a lot of the events, um, when I really probably shouldn't have, but no. at the same time, I, like, I wanted to, to make sure that everything that needed to get done would get done mm-hmm. in the way that I would be happy with it and satisfied with it because my name was going to be on it. Like, True, I was going to yeah. be part of the organizing committee and I yeah. didn't want it to be, um, subpar like it had to meet my expectations and I think that's with a lot of things that I do um but I think with burnout (laughs) with burnout like I've learned to let go but it takes me a lot a lot of suffering yeah and like to realize that I need to let go like I thought I learned this lesson last year um in the year previous um like in my fourth year of university I really learned how to let things go and Desmond really helped me with that um, good for Desmond. Yeah. Desmond, we're proud of you. Yeah, he was a good personal support. Oh, wow. wow. Segway. Um, everywhere here. But, but um, yeah. So I guess I didn't learn as yeah. much as I thought I did in fourth yeah. year. Couldn't and control myself. It comes with practice, too. Yeah. yeah, and I think you probably handled this round better than you did the last. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, okay. 
And um, if you guys don't mind, we'll just, I think this is a good point to take a hydration break. Oh, yes. yes. And um, we'll just kind of recoup in a little bit. But yeah, I think that was a... Thank you for sharing. This is, this is, I think the conversation is going pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. going all over the place. I'm but, like, I don't I mean, know where we're going anymore. <laughs> we're fine. We're just going to be scattered. That's cool. Okay. No organization. Okay. Thank you, listeners. This, is, will, be, this will be our hydration break. And we're back from a hydration break. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening in again. Um, so moving on to the next little segment or uh, topic here. Um, Self-improvement. Yikes. Yikes, yikes. It's a big one. It's a big one. It's very subjective, I think, as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Per person. I mean, I feel like self-improvement is a very personal topic Mm -hmm. and what you choose to improve on as your own person might not necessarily be what's best for you in somebody else's opinion. Um, That's why it really takes self-reflection in figuring out what you should be doing and no one else can really tell you that. Mm -hmm. Um, Other people can guide you, but like it's very subjective. But just as... Um, um, just a general question, because I know, I think within maybe the past five years, there's been like a huge breakout of like self-help books, self-improvement books, you, and there's like full YouTube channels and Instagrammers about that now. Like, do you think self-improvement is a little bit overrated or overhyped? I don't think it's overrated. I think that People are really honing into other people's insecurities okay. by yeah, that's good by projecting that's on what their take of self improvement is. Yeah. Basically, yes. it, like all these people who are putting out these YouTube videos, putting out these like self help books. Like self help books have always been around, but like this is true. like you're basically just telling other people what you think. And I think everybody should remember that they can take this with a grain of salt. Like someone else's best interests might not be what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Like that might not be what you need yeah. and that might not really apply to your life but and that's why you should take it with a grain of salt and so like I don't necessarily think that self-help books and videos are necessary if you personally find them uh, helpful and they help you with ref- like self-reflection and being more self-aware and really focusing on what you want to work on yeah. then that's good for you it works for you but they're not necessarily for everybody yeah like, I don't like it when people think there's, like, a shortcut. Yeah. Like, I like self-help podcasts and, like, books and resources just as, like, a starting point. Mm-hmm. Or maybe sometimes you read something and it, you read it, you know it in your brain, but then it takes just, like, reading it or hearing it to be like, oh, that's a thing. Or, oh, maybe I should do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't like it, like you said, when they kind of hone in on, like, insecure people or, like, kind of... I don't want to say weak people, people who are just like super lost, you know what I mean? It's like people kind of have these like, you know, conferences. It's like change your life in five steps oh and it'll be a conference and they'll, they'll, they'll get like a hundred, a thousand dollars for ticket ambition or something like that. And people 
pay into these things thinking that by listening to this person or buying this product or following this like you know you know there's those little planners it's like the 10 step planner and it's a little book you know what yeah. i mean mm-hmm. and then they think by once they get through all that and listen to whoever's telling them to do stuff that they'll change their life around some that's people it works for some people and i think that's great yeah but i think it's it has a lot to do with the intention of whoever's starting it as well. Yeah. If like people are working in their best intention to actually help other people yeah. versus capitalizing off their insecurities and making yeah. mad money off their insecurities, yeah. Yeah. there's like a really fine line yeah. between that. And yeah. so it's like, I don't know who to trust. Exactly. And I always to. think like even even some YouTubers too, it might have could, it could have started off as like a well in, intention thing. Yeah. But then like they somehow their manager, whoever, learn how to capitalize on it. And yeah. all, become, all of a sudden, it's like an industry. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a good example right now, but then there's like so many stories of YouTubers who end up being like that. Yeah. So, uh, I was talking to Stephanie about like Lily Singh. Lily oh, Singh, yes. back in the day, she was like, what? She I think she graduated from New York University, and then she's kind of going through, going through her bad depression or something like that, and then she started making YouTube videos. Now, like, not to say she's like not the same person that she was, but there's some videos I think she's maybe a little bit too addy or like sponsor-y. You know what I mean? Spawn. Hashtag spawn. Um, no, yeah, I've heard a lot of things because I have a yeah. lot of friends from, because uh, she's from Brampton. Like yeah, Lily Singh's exactly. from Brampton. So I had a lot of friends in the Brampton community talking about how Lily Singh really changed mm-hmm. like a lot from their personal perspectives, not even in like in her YouTube videos. Really? Like, I don't really watch her YouTube videos all that yeah, much. Um, but I've had a lot of people tell me that she became more, uh, like, I don't know what to, like, once she became, like, more internet famous, more YouTube famous, she started being slightly more elitist, and mm-hmm. maybe that's just because that was something to protect herself, right. um, and it was something that she had to figure out as she was growing, but, um, I feel like that happens with a lot of YouTubers, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily their fault, because it's the way things, like, happen, yeah. but, like, it it just kind of happens, and yeah. it's it's not great. I know, and it, it's like once you build that brand, you gotta keep up the brand, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's not like she's gonna like give up the fame or the money, and that's why I think too, like when it comes to fame, wealth, and success, it's like hard to balance. It's hard to balance, and it's also in her eyes, she probably sees it like the more the more famous I am, the more money I have, the more people I can help, the more resources I can. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she yeah. started from production video, a uh, production company, I think, and then she thinks like from, oh, you know, maybe she, in her her intention was like, and now you know, at this production company, I can make content that I truly believe in. I can yeah. make content that will you know help other people make their own content, mm-hmm. something like that. So I think that's a really good point because I find that you know while we're all st- like starting from the bottom, things like that, our mind is always like, if only we had more money to do this. To be able to do this, to do that, whatever, whatever, with the intention of helping someone else. So I think she's she also has that mindset, which is why it's not black and white. There's no like right or wrong. Yeah. And it's just always interesting. I really don't follow her, so I have no idea what's going on. But from like this conversation, I can tell like there's no straight answer. Definitely not. We can't just be pointing fingers, I guess. Yeah. That that's a bit of a tangent as well. <laughs> I have no idea what the well, question we was. Were, I think I was asking um, about like the self help, self improvement uh, community. 
Right. Then we kind of went to YouTubers, and how we, then we got to Lily Singh. That's how we, okay. to delineate it, that's how we got there. This is just like our late night conversation. I know. And, but, again, like, I want this to be a fun conversation. It doesn't have to make sense to the world. Right. Kind of, kind of. But, you know. Um, so, yeah, so we agree that the self-help community is a good thing, mm-hmm. but, you know, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. In moderation, we agree. And take things with a grain of salt, obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. like you said, Ashley. You should always look internally for your answers. Yes. Yeah. Someone else is not going to be able to tell you how to live your life. That's true. Why didn't, why didn't we just say that in the beginning? You should have said that. I think that's what I was trying to get to, and then we got off on a big... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Just big tangent. you want to ask the next one there? Yes. I'm actually going to skip to, what's one advice you want to give to your younger self? Oh my yeah. goodness. Um, if I could tell one thing to my younger self, it would be to stop. Just to chill out. <laughs> chill out. Chill out. Check a chill period. I, I was so uptight yeah, <laughs> and yes. had no chill. Like, I still don't have chill, but, mm-hmm. like, I have more chill than I did, especially in first year, mm-hmm. like, coming out of high school. Yeah. I was just perpetually worried, perpetually stressed. Like, that's just the person I had grown into. Um, and I think it stemmed a lot from my insecurities. I just wanted to be the best yeah. and make sure that everything would be good enough for yeah. who I don't know mm-hmm. but like you know that was just my constant fear constant worry I wanted always wanted to be good enough and in recent years I've definitely realized recent years I was only like four years ago just, uh, um just to interject here yeah my favorite word on the yeah. podcast to interject so you're a middle child yes I are have one older sister fair, younger are you were okay. psychotherapist to my left here what is middle child syndrome? <laughs> or what's that encompass? Um, Do you think Ashley is just seeking attention and validation because she never got it as a child? 100%. Yeah, definitely. Can, can confirm, please. Yes. I mean... <laughs> I'm no expert, but <laughs> I do know my, my, also like my middle sister has the same tendency, tends to be like a little more rebunctious than like the rest of us, a little more louder, you know, um, and because she needs, she, not she, yeah, she needs that attention. Um, we crave it. Yeah, it's and uh-huh. it's totally normal. It's a given. Everyone wants attention. Everyone wants to feel heard. Um, so it's not, it's, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, but it just happens. It just mm-hmm. happens. It's an observation. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not telling you that you have middle child syndrome, but like, you know. oh no, I definitely do. Like, okay. oh, okay. I've discussed it, it with my siblings. Like, <laughs> we definitely know that I've just been middle childed very hard, yeah. and like, it definitely turned. Oh, it definitely shaped me into the person I am today. But yeah. I think a lot of the. Uh, the self realization and the self awareness that I went through during universe uh, during undergrad really helped me with controlling that mm-hmm. and then making uh, making me into a person more into the person that I want to be versus into a person that I thought I had to be. Mm-hmm. So going off of that, what do you think? What skills do you think you learned being a middle child? Um, I think I definitely learned more independence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had this weird need to overachieve. So it mm-hmm. just, it made me very hardworking and very persistent. Um, and then it also, I think, made me very grounded in the sense that I had to be there for my younger siblings. Like mm-hmm. I was still older than them and I still had to look out for them. So I still had that responsibility. Um, and so like, I feel like being a middle child just made me well-rounded. Mm-hmm. 
Um, But again, very loud because I felt like I was never the center of attention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And very maybe violent because attention-seeking behavior is like It manifests in different Were you a biter? Like, did you fight people? Like, did you like... Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, I also did Taekwondo as a kid, so I was just... That was to get my aggression out. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to do it. Like, Taekwondo was what I pushed for in my mom. I was like, I want to do this. I want to be badass. You know, I want to beat amazing. people up. I want to beat people up. That was the main reason I went into that window. So I want to beat people up. Oh, I want to assert my dominance. That's, isn't that like the one thing dominance. they like, tell you not to do? Hmm? Beat people up? No, yeah. No, and then I got there and then like they had like their five commandments and it was like <laughs> always treat people how you uh, like with respect. And you were and, like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> No, no, I, like, understood. I was yeah. like, oh, this, these make sense. These are good morals. <laughs> See, if I were you, I'd be like, ah, peace out, deuces, and I would just take off my belt or whatever. No, it's like, it was the overachiever the in me. Like, mm. I had to be, like, once I was, like, once I was in, like, a school, like, uh, Taekwondo, yeah. like, I had to be the best. Yeah, and so, okay. like, I would always have the most clean-cut patterns. Like, I would always be, like, working super hard for no real reason. <laughs> You know, it just builds character. Yeah. Yeah. See, like the reason I ask you these things, it's, is because a lot of people see these syndromes as they always see it as a negative thing, the negative connotation, like you're attention seeking, I'm spoiled, I can't do anything by myself, whatever, whatever, because I'm the youngest child. But there's a lot of strengths you learn from your placement in the family dynamics. The birth order. Yeah. So I learned how to be empathetic. I learned how to communicate whatever, whatever, you learn to be independent. Like, that's these are skills that a lot of people m- might not have time to learn. Yeah, but and it's, it's just like something you develop. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to point out that it's there's a lot of sh- strengths and good things that come out of family dynamics. Yeah. Just, just my side piece. I was talking to my siblings, like, two days ago about me being the middle child, and my sister was like, if I was, like, if I did it over again, I might want to be the youngest child, and I'd definitely be the oldest child again, but I would never be the middle child. There you go. <laughs> Emily said yes. that? Yeah. Yeah. Because she's a bully. Mm-hmm. I got bullied a lot. That's that's me asserting mm-hmm. my dominance. Mm-hmm. That's what led me to want to assert my dominance. That's my so. eldest and middle sister as well. Wow. Yeah. 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 I can't relate to this. <laughs> yeah, you're an only child, man. Yeah. And again, I think only children, same, like you said, like sometimes it's a bad rap. Mm-hmm. You're so spoiled. You're so egocentric. And like I own up to the fact that I'm very egocentric sometimes. Um, but like if people think like it's like a, a negative connotation. It's like you're an only child. You bouge, bouge. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I was fucking lonely. <laughs> I had imaginary friends and I played in the closet. Plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like early signs. But anyway. What? Um, <clears throat> and I was just like... Early signs. Yeah, right? But then, again, I was more mature and I for my age all the time. And I learned how to be independent. I learned how to just like... I think, like, my, my parents, I, I didn't have an older sibling to teach me new skills. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have you know, someone to teach me how to play basketball. So I had to learn how to play basketball by myself. Or, like, I had to seek out friends who wanted to play with me yeah. kind of thing. So, But not like all that. only children grow up the same like that. Some mm-hmm. become very dependent. And some are, like, I guess they're also spoiled and whatever. Um, yeah. I don't know. Where were we? Uh, yeah, we're, I'm looking at our screen here. 
um, advice you advice would yourself. Give yourself. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Josephine, do you have... I chose that question. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a... Advice? Advice for your younger self, Josephine? Hmm. It's a good question, um, because there's a lot of things. I feel like I peaked in first year. I'm, like, very opposite. Oh, dear. I was, like, very... Uh, I had a social life. I was trying new things. I was very comfortable in my own skin. And then something happened and I was just like, okay, bye. So I peaked in first year. I would tell my first year self to keep going, but that's not always possible. So I think I would tell my younger self to seek out therapy. <laughs> we know. should go back and tell all of ourselves. I to think go, go to it's therapy. so important that everyone... Yeah. Everyone go to therapy. Everyone just fucking go to therapy. Yeah. It's not, not always realistic anything, though. But yeah. yeah. Therapy is not always a realistic option for mm-hmm. everybody. That's true. Absolutely. Accessible. And there's there's also been stories of people uh, that I know. It's like therapy just didn't work for me. So mm-hmm. it doesn't work, doesn't work. Yeah. Right? And um, and uh, I, I was, I told one of my friends about it too. It's like, therapy is a good option, but what if you were not receptive back in first year? Exactly. So mm-hmm. would, have, have you, would it help you anyway? When you're like, I don't want to be here, but I'm here. You yeah. know? It's not beneficial for anybody. It's not productive. Not at all. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's a good answer. But that's like obviously what I would tell my younger self. Not, yeah. I'm not telling everyone younger self to go. To, yeah, to go to therapy. You can try like, it. Yeah, try it. There's not. There's no harm. There's or no... rather, don't feel stigmatized that you need to go to therapy. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And don't make excuses. It's really hard to. It's really easy to make excuses for yourself when you have a lot going on, but your mental health always comes first. That's the message. I would agree. Christine, what advice what would you What would you tell your younger self? Um, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> I didn't expect the question to be turned on me. Um, sorry. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I think I've come kind of full circle. When I was in, I think when I was in middle school, I was very much myself. Like in my, in my own skin. Then high school happened. And I had to, pre- I felt like I had to pretend to be somebody that I wasn't. And then I, maybe like the first two years of university, I kind of got even further lost into kind of further away, more distant to who I actually am in every sense of that phrase. Like I, I, I would, in high school in particular, I would be interested in things that I thought everybody else was interested in. Mm-hmm. I kind of followed, you know, the norm kind of thing and tried to adhere to the norm. And then... And uh, I don't know, I think like maybe, maybe after I cut my hair really short, maybe that's when I realized like, fuck the world, you know, it's very... That was at the end of second year, wasn't it? Yes, and like, that's a turning point that I can even delineate in my head. Like, that's when I felt like a lot happier. Mm -hmm. And I started doing things that would kind of be more reflective of what I want to do and what's like truly me. Or when I'm hanging out with my friends, I'll just be openly myself and not feel like I needed to pretend to be somebody else. If that makes sense. So I'll probably go back and tell my younger self, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> and like, don't don't pretend to be somebody else that you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think about that, like, what is the difference between being yourself and then training yourself to be who you want to be? Because if I want to be nicer, <laughs> then yeah. I have to, like, I have to consciously tell myself, oh, you should probably say something like this mm-hmm. to to show that you care about this other person and like what they did over the weekend. Well, 
right? Okay. And so, like, you're kind of faking niceness, but you want to fake it to the point where it becomes a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. So where's the line between that and just being yourself? Because, like, if I was myself, I don't think I'd be that nice. Mm -hmm. Like, like in terms of who you want to be, that's, like, your ideal self. That's, Mm -hmm. like, the self that you you want to be in the future mm-hmm. and you strive towards but what i mean is like who you are as a child or as like a teen or early on before the world like kind of changed you a little bit and fucked you up and scarred and jaded you well that was dark but you know what i mean like that's kind of who you are as a kid you know what i mean of course you're not the perfect kid but like your innocence and like you're just like love for life and things like that that's something that people lose does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, like that huh. got real deep. I didn't. No, no, no. It makes sense in my head, but I'm trying to explain it to you guys. So it's like who you are is who is who you should stick to, but it doesn't mean you can strive to be again more considerate, more compassionate, like you said, and trying to train yourself to be better. Yes. Yeah. There's always going to be better. Yeah. You're always going to need to improve. So. Yeah. But then it's also figuring out, like, what is improving and what is being fake. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's why I'm that's confused. That's a blurry line. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why I'm confused. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should table this topic. Yeah. I'm like, that's I don't know day. what to not be going. fake. <laughs> Like, oh, confusion. You can come back when you figure out how to not be fake, Ashley. Oh, that too. might be a while. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so the next topic we want to talk about is, uh, was that finding supports, personal supports? supports? Yeah. So, Ashley, you know, oh, you yes. went through that little turning point a little bit when you realized you were kind of burning out and you were doing a lot. And you said, Des and your friends kind of talked you down a little bit like who would you consider to be your support system yeah it really depends on the situation I found that over the course of my life like I have different personal supports for different contexts um like a lot of the time I'll turn to my mom or my sister because they're very empathetic and they're very open to listening um and they'll give me their own specific feedback. Maybe it's just me like looking for what I want to hear, but depending on what I want to hear, I'll go to a specific person mm-hmm. um, who I know will tell me what, what you I want to hear exactly. at that moment in time. Yeah. Um, and that's like, it's not, I don't want to dislike the other people who I use as my personal supports, but sometimes I just need, I need a specific type of support. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's really important for you to build um, like, a community or like a selection of friends and family and loved ones who you can rely on for specific things because you're not always going to need the same type of support all the time at least that's how I found my life working out so I'll reach out to different people depending on what I need yeah, emotionally what about you guys what about you Josephine mm-hmm. It's a loaded question. (laughs) I'm working on it. I find with personal support system, it's, it changes every year. It changes in every situation. Like you said, like different situations require different things. And I've never been the one to kind of ask for help. So I've mostly kept a lot of things 
like inside and I never talked to anyone but it's just like mostly recently that I started reaching out asking for help like hey can I talk to you about this do you have a real like a quick moment to chat for a bit things like that so I that's why I'm, I say I'm still working on it because I haven't perfected this personal support system of mine and it's mostly me working on myself me working on finding I'm not finding the strength that's too cheesy like <laughs> finding the courage finding courage. the courage okay. to actually reach out to people to actually think no I'm not bothering them and you know to give them the choice of saying yes or no depending on how they feel and you also have like therapy now too right do you mm -hmm. find that that's I guess you do because you suggested it to your younger self <laughs> But like, I guess you find that as a really big outlet yes. um, for personal support and helping you reflect on yourself and being there for yourself mm -hmm. through the guidance of this therapist. Yes, yeah. and she can also like advise me on if I'm going too far or like challenging some of the thoughts that I have. Because, you know, let's take the example of me reaching out to people. My fear is that I'm bothering them. Um, they don't actually like me. They don't want to hear my problems, things like that. And she's like, but are those facts? Like, what evidence do you have to support those thoughts? And usually yeah. it's like, nothing really. Yeah. So she's been like a great help in that. So, yeah, that is what it is. Cool. What about you, Christine? Mm, personal supports. Mm. Christine's out here like, I support myself. <laughs> I am a headed woman. Don't need Flicks nobody. kind of long hair. <laughs> um, like, I, I think, yeah. I was kind of talking about with somebody else. It's like growing up and like you said, you're very close to your mom and your sister, right, Ashley? And you mm -hmm. kind of talk to them about like whatever. Sure. Yeah, yeah. sure. Depending like, on what it is. Depending on yeah. what it is, right? Mm -hmm. But like you, you, like you do seek their advice and you kind of value what they say. Yeah. Like with my parents, they, I wish that they were my support system, but they're not really my support system. Like on like a financial level, yes. On like a roof over my head, yes. But I think over the years I developed to not be emotionally um, reliant on my parents. So when I want like career advice or if I want career advice, it's kind of hard because um, my, my parents aren't in chiropractic and they're not in science. You know, they're not like what I'm doing, what I'm doing. And um so I, with, with things like career advice, relationship advice, and friendship advice, you know what I mean? Like growing up, I just never went to my parents. So early on, my friends were kind of my support system. And over the years, I think that still holds true. Like my support system are my friends. If not, I just self-therapy myself and mm -hmm. just listen to music and make music. And I kind of channel my like, um, I guess um feelings and emotions in different ways and it, like josephine too like i haven't really perfected like my top 10 people as my support system um but i'm so i'm still trying to work on that because i realize like you literally can't go through life yourself mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah right uh but yeah i think my cousins are also big support systems oh, yes. 
yeah, they've been they've been with me since like birth, I guess. So <laughs> they've been with me since I was born. When I was born, so they're kind of like my siblings, mm-hmm. and like they're kind of the people where I know if I need to talk about something, it doesn't feel like I'm imposing myself. I was like, bitch, this happened. I'm freaking out. And then they'd be like, they're obligated. They're, yeah, they're obligated <laughs> they're to be family. like, yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, shit, we got to respond to this text message because she's family. <laughs> and <laughs> gotta be there for her. If she dies, we gotta be, we, we'll be responsible because we're family. No. But that, I think I would say those are my main two. Yeah. The thing with, like, the thing with my parents and my, like, and my sister, and, like, my mom, like, when I was younger, they were not really my support. Like when I was a like a child, yes, mm-hmm. because I didn't really have friends. But then when I as I got older, I I had friends and I would use friends as supports, like as my supports. But I feel like my mom and my sister would get like offended, yeah. like and that's why in recent times I've been trying to use them as supports more, um, because I feel like there's this bond that should be there that like. I didn't contribute to for a time mm-hmm. because I was just angsty teen and I like I felt like they didn't understand me and like that I didn't want to use them as a support because they would just tear me down in a different way. Okay. Um and I think I, that's why recently I've started using them as a support more for specific things that I know uh they'll be able to empathize with and they'll be able to understand. Mm-hmm. Um because their intention is to help me, um, for the most part. Um, <laughs> so, like, it's select items yeah. that I can share with them. Yeah. Do you know? And I think that's the most natural thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no one person you turn to for literally everything. Like, that's not good either. That's mm-hmm. true. That's called codependence. <laughs> codependency. I would agree. Not healthy. Yeah. So, sorry. You, you go, you go yeah. ahead, just me. Okay. Um, since you have siblings, not to uh, isolate you, Christine. That's okay. But do you feel, like, a sense of competition between your siblings on who is, like, most burnt out or who has the most problems? Who's the most like, successful? Do, have you ever hesitated asking for help from your siblings or, like, let's say your older sister because she was going through something? Um, kind of. Like... If she's really busy, like, right now she's really busy with her wedding. So I'm not going to, like, impose all my problems on her. Sure. Like, she, as my sister, she is inherently protective. Like, she acts like my second mom, mm-hmm. basically. So she'll, like, butt herself into my life just to make sure I'm okay. Because she feels like it's her responsibility. It's her obligation because mm-hmm. that's how mm-hmm. my mom raised us. And, like, I'll do the same to my brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I'm not going to impose my problems on her unless I feel like she's the only person who'd understand mm-hmm. uh, and be able to empathize with that. Um But I think me and my siblings are all really far apart in age. So there's, like, the competition, like, is not as direct. Mm, It's, like, my sister is five years older than me. So, like, now she's getting married in, like, a month at the age of, like, how old is she? Like, 27? (laughs) 26? 27? Mm -hmm. Which, I think she's 27 turning 28, actually. I can't remember. But, like, now I have this set in my mind as that is 
basically like that was already the ideal time for me to get married like that's what I had imagined my timeline to be like and mm-hmm. she's hitting the mark yeah. and like she's super successful working in San Francisco like yeah. her and her soon-to-be husband they both have really good jobs mm-hmm. uh, and like they're very financially stable and like that is my goal that is my aspiration mm-hmm. and like I use that as a drive to motivate me but there are instances where I'm like what if I don't reach that like what if like what if by the time I turn 26, 27, I'm nowhere close to getting married. I'm nowhere right. close to be able to affording my own place. Mm-hmm. Like when that time comes, I think that I'll be a lot worse. Um, Cause like when my sister was around my age, like 23, 24, I think she was putting, she was working towards putting a down payment on a condo. Like she owns mm-hmm. a condo in downtown Toronto. Yeah. Um, and I see that as an accomplishment. But I know for a fact that I'm not going to be able to do that now. Because you're going to school. Yeah, because I'm yeah. going back to school starting September. And so I'm just not going to be able to afford it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a realistic goal for me. But, mm-hmm. um, like, back back in, like, high school and stuff, like, academics-wise, there was competition. But it's like, really spaced out because my sister's five years older than me. My other brother is four years younger than me. And then the other one's six years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So, so, like, we're all fairly far apart in age, except for maybe my younger two brothers. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't feel any direct competition with them, mm-hmm. but like sometimes indirect competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very glad to hear that. Um, cause I think a lot of people do have direct competitions with their siblings and it's kind of, it starts young and it progresses into adulthood. That's especially when they're mm-hmm. young, uh, closer in age. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Maybe. How about you, Josephine? Cause you're, you're, <laughs> the you're reason a little I ask bit that closer, is that it's right? like, it's, yeah, we're, so me and my middle is like two years and middle and oldest is two years. So, like, the difference between me and the eldest is four years. Um, I think it also, um, I have to take into consideration how my parents raised us. So, I mostly asked this question because I was very curious. Because when I was, let's say, I was starting high school, my eldest was starting university. Um, We'd have to cater to her because she's doing something more difficult. She's going to university. And it's, it's new. Yeah. And then by the time I get to university, it's like, oh, like your sisters have already done this. You're fine. Even though I might have been going through something different, like Mm -hmm. a different experience. Um, And then my my sister would be moving on to a different stage in life. So right now we're at that stage where I'm looking for a place to rent. She's looking for a place to buy. And it's sort of like, well, of course, they're going to prioritize her because she's buying something. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of been like that all my life. So that's why I was kind of curious about like this competitive of... If, if there's ever a competition between your siblings, I don't like, I don't think it's competition, right? It's, it's just ex- setting the bar. Yeah. Of like expectations. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I, they never saw me as someone who struggled. Yeah. Because. Because you had the experience of your two older sisters to rely exactly. on. Exactly. So I was just curious. That's all. <laughs> or like your accomplishments are not really accomplishments. They're just expectations. Of the, they expected you to do well, period. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. your sisters did, did well. Of course That's you true. do well. And you're very capable, so of course you do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So just very curious in that sense, because I think it ties really well into burnout culture. Mm-hmm. Like, I was never allowed to look like I was struggling, because why? Why, why, why should I when my sisters are struggling in university, struggling to find a job, struggling at the workplace? Like Your problem just becomes so minimal when compared to that. I guess so. So that's that's why I was I never like reached out. Because I never thought my problems were big enough, per I se. guess so. But, like, I felt that in instances, mm-hmm. uh, especially, even with my friends. Like, 
like I, when I was doing like my because I had a lot of older friends yeah. so when I was doing my grade 12 like high school exams I'm like oh like exams like I'm so stressed mm-hmm. blah 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 and my high, my older friends who had already done like first year or second year of university are like high school exams are nothing like don't mm-hmm. even sweat it yeah. and I'm like but this is my struggle and this is my experience exactly. and like I feel like they still empathize with that because they do remember mm-hmm. but then especially if they're living there in their problem right now they're like that's nothing like compared to what I'm going through right now like I don't even remember that like yeah. it's literally all yeah. relative yeah yeah it's all relative um but I think the the next like, kind of tangent to that question is like do you feel competitiveness among your friends and the people you're around in chiropractic mm-hmm. school huge yes uh, once you start optometry school trust me you, you probably feel a little bit too yeah um like I know in what like University of Waterloo is the only English speaking Canadian optometry school, yeah. and I have a lot of friends who are in that program, and they have it. But the thing is, most people in the states, I guess, like the culture is, we're trying to get everybody to graduate. Like the school puts in support systems, like they mm-hmm. give you mentors yeah. in upper years, um, so that you don't fail out because they want everyone to graduate. One, they want one, they want your money, and two, like they want you to become a successful doctor because yeah. they want their board accept or board yeah acceptance Exams rates to be, yeah. to be high. high. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, I don't know if that's gonna be a super big thing, but okay. like in my personal friendships, like not career wise, but like just like person-wise, I've definitely felt a lot of competition that is definitely not there. And I think it might be due to my innate, like, my middle child syndrome, where I, like, feel like I'm being, like, I just compare myself mentally mm-hmm. to yeah. my friends and, like, people around me. So I'll be like, oh, like, we're at, we're literally the same age, but you're doing this and I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and, like, I'll find myself, like, comparing myself to my friends and being like, oh, like, you are so much more social than me, like, you, like, you have so many more friends than I do, you look so much more put together than I do, Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, like, I am working towards my career, like, I'm very dead set on what I want to do, and I feel like I'm very successful in that aspect, but then other people might not be, and so I feel like sometimes I find myself, like, basing my self-worth on what I've accomplished. Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah, it's a very normal Yeah, that's what we're getting to. <laughs> that's, what, that's why I invited you here. <laughs> and so, um, which is what pushes me into doing exactly. all these things. So uh, it comes full circle. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I kind of thought about that myself too. Mm-hmm. As, as Raina's question, I'm like, I'm, I'm a very, I am motivated externally by certain things. But even in Cairo school now, like, I don't think I'm com- directly competitive with people. Like, there's no person in the class that I'm like, I want to adjust better than that person. Or this I'm person is, I'm going to destroy you, you know? No, a lot of it is just like, uh, I think in first year, I realized how um, unproductive that was. Mm-hmm. So now a lot of it, it's like, I, I kind of work, I kind of compare myself to myself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once you make that click in your head that literally you're you should only be, be better than yourself it takes a lot of stress out of it and all of a sudden like I don't really feel as burnt out or I, I don't feel stressed anymore about like you know the, the the competitiveness of school but I think a lot of students do get too deep into that oh yes sense. and definitely. then you can tell p- which people in the class who are like that 
It's definitely, it's like toxic undergrad culture. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's yeah. everyone trying to get yeah. into med school. And with those people, yeah, and like you, you'll naturally Facts. see those people be like, you know, more self-reserved, I want to say, and like a little bit less likely to share notes or collaborate because like they're trying to like be the best at everything. Mm-hmm. But realistically, we're trying to push our profession forward. You should help your peers to improve their profession, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's not just I feel like that's thing. the difference in uh, professional school and undergrad, though, because yeah. in undergrad, you're fighting for those positions to be able to be a doctor, to be able to be a chiropractor, to be able to be an optometrist. Yeah. But once you're in professional school, you're like, we're all going to be up opto- Like, yeah. we all yeah. have the opportunity to do this. Yeah, like, it's all True. relative again. Like, I think now it's a little bit better because, like, the mentality is kind of like, you know, we're, we all made it here. I guess we're okay. You yeah. Know? One day we'll be chiropractors. But, like, you're right. In undergrad, is much pervasive, that mindset, I think. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that, even though they did want, like, they made it a point that they had, like, they were the most ready for something. So, of course, they can share their notes because yeah. they're better than you. And uh-huh. you're not prepared for this. I see. Um, which might not have been everybody's intention. But, like, mm-hmm. it's how people came off sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just... I don't know, I feel like it made everybody have this, like, ebb and flow of, oh, I, like, I should push myself to be better, to be, like, to beat this person, or to, like, be like this person, or it, like, demotivates people, and it's like, oh, like, I'm a, like, I can't be that person. I'm a potato sack, like, I can't, yeah, I can't do that, like, I'm not good enough. You have a tendency to compare yourself to potatoes, you realize this? Yeah, Yeah. I'm a potato shape, like, potato. I like my still very pretty, don't worry. I've been told I'm a Yukon gold potato. Really? Very, very specific. Very regal, yeah. It's because you're yellow? Well, well you, Yukon gold is like the more yellowish, right? I think it's That's just right. because it was called gold. Like, oh. it's supposed to be a beautiful potato. Shout out to Stephanie. She's called me a Yukon gold potato. Okay, on there you go. Stephanie Lee? Yeah. Hi, Stephanie, if you're listening to this. Yeah, um, I'm going to send this specifically yeah. to her. Like, I, uh, yeah, you I, I haven't seen her in a really long thing. time. Hope you're doing well, girl. Um... But yeah, so uh, I guess I, I kind of want to end off the segment with like an overarching theme. So burnout culture itself, a lot of people use their accomplishments, use their, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a word that's like, you know, the kind of like their their resume as like a way to validate, validate themselves. themselves and um as evidence as their self-worth, if that makes sense. That's me. That's you. And um, people are always comparing like, oh, yeah, I slept two hours. I slept one hour. What are you bitching about? And that's just like it adds to that burnout culture. And I, I don't think this was ever a term until more recently. Mm-hmm. I kind of noticed it more. Um, I saw some articles about it within the past like, six months. And uh, Josephine, yes. uh, I think you have a little fact there right like I do the World Health Organization has officially declared you want to go ahead and finish that? yes okay this was dated on May 29th 2019 so very wow. Um, it is not classified as a medical condition but it is an occupational phenomenon as per the International Classification of Diseases the ICD-11 Mm-hmm. So it is described in the chapter factors influencing health status or contact with health services, which includes reasons for which people contact health. Oh, okay, hold on. That's not the definition. Whoa, 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 whoa. That whoa, is whoa, not. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three dimensions, mm-hmm. feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, um, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings negative 
feelings of negativism, negativism, yeah, or cynicism related to one's job and reduced professional efficacy, 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 efficacy. Yeah, you got it. There we go. And so it's mostly very job focused. Yeah, like work oriented. Yeah, work like oriented. I, the, the the who's definition is at least that like employment or mm-hmm. unemployment related. But I still think it's a little bit applicable, even if you don't have a job. Even yeah. If you're an undergrad student, it's one of those things where, like, school there's been work, man. Yeah, yeah school is work. Like, there's been times where, yes, energy depletion, check. Mental distance from like your job and feeling cynicism, check. Hundred yes, percent. And then you know, um, reduce efficacy or just productivity. I agree. And uh, according to the Mayo Clinic, I'm reading another article here. The Mayo Clinic suggests trying to relieve some of the stress by seeking support from friends and colleagues. Wow. Um, doing yoga or Tai Chi, getting sleep, and also reaching out to your boss to see if you can make the job less of a pressure cooker. That's verbatim there. In pressure cooker. Okay, I, anyway. Mayo Clinic. Hashtag Mayo Clinic. Oh, Mayo Clinic. Um, incredible <laughs> yeah and like again it comes full circle i think what we talked about and like both of you i think we you guys are on the right track and hopefully we're on the right track to yeah. being not burnt out if that makes sense i hope so like yeah. i hope so i think it just involves taking a lot of time for yourself and doing things that you want to do but also realizing that you need a break because yeah. i know you you guys do this podcast Yes, and like yes. it is definitely uh, a volunteer. Like y'all don't get paid for this yet, no. yet. Um, spawn. Spawn. <laughs> need some spawns. Spawn. Um, but Sorry. like you guys take your own. Like you do this in your own free time. And yeah. so like, even though you're pursuing projects that you're passionate about, you always need to take a time to step back and just like do stuff to recharge. Mm-hmm. Unless this recharges Josephine. you, Christine. Uh. Christ- I'm looking specifically at Christine. I know. I, know, I always uh, tell her. She immerses herself in her work yeah. to recuperate her energy. You know, like normal people take weekends off of the job or whatever. Christine does Christine not. Christine does not. I don't. <laughs> She'll be like editing the Google Doc on like Sunday evening and I'm like, Christine, no. And well, like I understand this sentiment because sometimes... Like, doing different work distracts me from the work that's actually stressing me out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I can understand yeah. that. Yeah. So it's, like, helping me do a mini recharge while staying productive. And yeah. it makes me not feel like crap. Okay. But so. then there's always times where you need to, like, plan out, like, actual vacation time. Yeah. Like, I have done nothing this week. Yeah. And it's great. I'm, I'm very proud of you, by mm-hmm. the way. You just slept in till 2 o'clock every day. and Yeah, it hasn't always been that great. Like, I'll wake up, I'm like, oh feel like crap i haven't done anything i'm so unproductive like i hate but this that's just your brain talking you, yeah. need, you yeah. needed that rest yeah i'll come back to work on monday and be like oh i am very well rested or you'd be like <laughs> i'm so tired it's <laughs> 8 a.m yeah like uh because i always like in terms of my, my workload or my palate i always compare it so like during school i was kind of working towards the end i was like school itself was just like a triple full-time job honestly well, um but like and now during the summer, I just have a part-time job right now at the clinic and like I am dicking around most of the time. So I I think by creating this podcast, I was just trying to fill my time mm-hmm. to make it more relative to the workload that I had during the year. Or else I'll just be dicking around and be depressed. And, and it's also depressed. something that's more routine. You chose something that is very routine. So you oh. get to work on it like once a week mm-hmm. like it, or like it releases once a week. Yeah. So you have something to work towards every week. 
versus like if you just picked like hanging out with friends once a week like doing yeah. something different mm-hmm. and um and again I think I've always wanted to start a podcast that's true and the, or I just wanted I wanted a platform that's literally what I wanted for people to listen to. yeah and I always <laughs> thought like yeah you know I mean like I always thought like I music attention huh what because they want the attention oh no, yeah 100% I could listen to myself talk and sing forever. Doesn't mean to. We all realize this. Josephine's like, I can't listen to the podcast. I can't. I don't listen to it after it's See, released. But Josephine's a listener, so it's very counterintuitive <laughs> here. But what I'm trying to say is like, I wanted to create a platform, not just for myself, but for other people to share now their just opinions like excuses. No! No, it's like a win-win situation. Yeah. She gets to listen to herself. She gets to have other people <laughs> share. Yes. No, I totally understand the sentiment. You spun them more positively, mm-hmm. and I guess you We'll justify. keep her take. Yeah, we'll keep her take there. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. Um, what were we talking about? We were trying to close off the episode. We were trying to close it off, yeah. So, long story short, um, everybody, just make sure you have that. Just be cognizant of that fine balance between the work-life play, mm-hmm. I think. And... Like Ashley, you might not be perfect at it. Or all of us in this room, actually. We might not be perfect at it the first time, but just kind of work. Why do I sound like a teacher? You are a teacher. Oh, am I? Um, You're teaching us all. School us all. teach us. Fuck you all, now you're mocking me. Josephine, take over. Okay, well, I hope you all learned something from this, whether uh, it's from Ashley, Christine, or me. If any of our, you know sentiments or words have hit close to home please let us know share your experiences with us um you know our social media handle it's at bitonal podcast or reach out to us um over email if you want to share anything yeah and just um just stay alive people yeah oh also if you want to be a guest on this show they have a very nice google form that i filled out um you can reach out to them via email and they'll send that out to you if you're a qualified qualified ashley we did not pay her to do that <laughs> ashley uh during our break we talked about how ashley wants to be the marketing marketing director of the podcast a self just she created her own job title and is adding to her workload no let's no, back it up here this. we'll be responsible for promoting our own podcast ashley <laughs> i appreciate it but you got too much you got a wedding coming up and you know it's like <laughs> i saw that trade wreck happen <laughs> Um, but yes, um, if you do want to be a guest on the podcast, just reach out to us. Um, we just want to talk to different people, meet meet people, and just talk about different things. So if you want to be like Ashley, just uh, give us a shout. We'll put you as a guest on the podcast. So natural. So natural. I couldn't have done it better myself. Yes. I should let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm shutting up. Um, Okay, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Um, Before you go, guys, we'll do a 30-second Q&A blast for Ashley just to get to know her better. Josephine, I'm going to start the clock here. You got the questions up? Yep. Very good. So, ready? Ashley, you you pumped? Yeah. Okay. Ready? Three. Two, one, go. Do you have a tattoo? No. Are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. What's your favorite animal? A lion. 
What kind of superpower would you want to have? Telekinesis. Worst movie you've ever watched? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Assess, uh, I don't even remember the name of it. I don't, it was so bad. We'll just skip. Pass. Okay. How many siblings do you have? Three. What's your favorite Starbucks drink? Iced coffee. Favorite quality about yourself? I am loud. Do you believe in aliens? Yes. Not specifically like Martians, but like aliens, sure. Spotify or Apple Music? Spotify. And... Socks and sandals. Time. No. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Who does socks and sandals? There's I not. Do. <laughs> You I couldn't even finish that. I was like, fashion full power yeah. chic. That was the last. That was 30 seconds. Yeah, no. <laughs> just no. Just Maybe no. if you're running to the car to get something, but not. Uh, you hear that, Christine? No. That's a flat out disgusting. No. When I'm I doing captions, be, I'm going to be like, no. Let me be who I am. No. Like, you can wear them. I'll just judge you. <laughs> yeah. Like, Christine. I'll try not to feel judged, I guess, is the only way I can defend myself from that. I'm not. I'm not wearing socks and sandals. <laughs> okay. So on that note, thank you guys for tuning in to the Bitonal Podcast. On behalf of Josephine and I, thank you very much, Ashley, for coming to, on to our show. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Loved and, it. And uh, you, you hope you guys have a good day, listeners. Thank you for tuning in again. Bye. <laughs>